0: Welcome into another edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalzer. Alongside me is John Paulson, the senior editor for Four for Four dot com. How you doing today, John? I'm doing good, Anthony. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, before we get into what we have on the docket for you today, John's going to tell you about the music.
1: Yeah, the name of the track is "Sorry to Say" uh, by the Soft White Sixties. It's a uh, track from 2016. I've added it to our uh, Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify, or you can find any of the podcast posts on the website, so check it out.
0: Let's run through some news. Kenneth Dixon's out for the year. What does this mean for Danny Woodhead and Terrence West?
1: This is a, an interesting situation because Dixon was going to miss the first, was it three or four games, due to suspension um, and Terrence West was already uh, listed as the starter. Uh, You have Danny Woodhead added to the mix uh, as well, and you know he's going to see quite a bit of work uh, in the passing game, and he's a pretty uh, underrated, crafty type uh, between the tackles runner as well, especially in the red zone. Uh, West finished in the top 25 in both PPR and standard formats last year. Um, He... If you look at what Woodhead did in his last 21 games, 10.6 touches per game, and then you look at Baltimore, they had 441 running back touches last year. Um, that leaves if – you, if you take Woody's uh, workload times 16, he plays a full season, that leaves 271 touches uh, for the other Baltimore running backs. And, uh, you know, with Dixon out of the way, as long as they don't sign somebody or – trade for Carlos Hyde which is the twitter rumor uh, de jour um then west looks like he's you know got a chance to finish in the top 25 again because uh you know he had 180 something carries 35 catches you know maybe his catches go down a little bit uh due to uh Woodhead uh, arriving but uh you know his carries probably increase uh, Dixon averaged about 12 touches per game over the last 9 games last year Uh, so, you know, West was splitting time with him down the stretch and, you know, maybe they're not totally sold on, on West as their starter, but, um, you know, he's the last man standing right now, uh, with, uh, I could easily see a a West Woodhead, uh, committee going into the season. And, um, John Harbaugh has said multiple times this offseason that he wants to run more. So, you know, those 441 running back touches, uh, could increase, um, and go up from there, and that would, uh, you know, make the pie a little bit bigger for, for somebody like Wes. So I just took him. Uh, we're going to talk about this draft a little bit later, but my charity league, I took him in the eighth round, uh, 805, and I put out a poll, um, asking if that was too early. Does it sound about right, or was it a great value? And 53% of respondents said it sounded about right. 30% said it was too early, and 17% said, uh, great value. So, Uh, tilting a little bit later, maybe his ADP is probably going to land in the 8th or ninth round.
0: You just mentioned Carlos Hyde. Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com mentioned that Hyde could be a surprise training camp cut. You and I talked about this a little bit last week. Do you buy that report now that there seems to be more smoke?
1: Uh, He probably won't get cut because he's got too much value. You'd think he'd be able to trade him to a team like Baltimore or another running back needy team, uh, that covets him, uh, as opposed to just cutting him. But it is interesting that Rosenthal, you know, heard that he is a long time. Uh, he was with Roto world for a long time and then is now with the NFL. And, um, you know, he's plugged in, uh, in terms of contacts and stuff. So, so, you know, what he says definitely carries some weight. Uh, it just would be surprising to, as it's, as, as, as the, um, Story says it would be a surprise cut because um, he does have some talent. Is a good runner. Um, Joe Holka, his rushing expectation, thought he fared pretty well. It's just that he's not a good fit for uh, Kyle Shanahan's uh, running game. Uh, we've talked about Joe Williams quite a bit on the pod in the last few episodes. Uh, his ADP has been sitting in about the twelfth round, uh, but uh, in that charity league with uh, eleven other fantasy analyst. He ended up going uh, with the fifth pick in the ninth round to uh, Justin Sablick of the New York Times. So he's uh, his ADP might be rising uh, into the single-digit rounds here soon if, if all these hide rumors keep up.
0: Let's talk about Duke Johnson. He could play the slot this upcoming season. What could this do for his draft stock and then his fantasy upside as well?
1: Well, it would be good, certainly uh, in PPR formats, uh, to have his you know, have him be on the field a little bit more in a non-running situation. He did catch uh, 53 passes last year for 514 yards, uh, 74 targets. Uh, the slot role was pretty much manned by Andrew Hawkins. Uh, he only had 54 targets, 33 receptions, uh, 324 yards. So it wasn't like it was a, a huge role that, um, that Johnson might be taking over. Um, but even if he adds uh, 15 catches to his total, we're getting into 68 range. He, I think he was the number 30 fantasy running back in PPR formats. I'm doing that off the top of my head. Uh, but if he's starting to get uh, extra work in the passing game, uh, that's obviously going to increase his his value. I think he's a better... Pick in best ball where you don't have to worry about uh, when you start him, but when he has his good games, you you get the you get the benefit of his points, kind of like uh, Darren Sproles. Uh, you don't know when he's going to, uh, you can't count on him week to week, but you can count on him getting a certain amount of fantasy points uh, each year. Uh, so uh, it, it would be a little dicey to, to trust him uh, on a weekly basis, given the fact that Isaiah Corral has the first and second down and uh, role. Locked down, and he also catches passes. He caught forty passes last year as well, so uh, he looks like uh, Crowell is is pretty locked into that RB one role there.
0: Sammy Watkins should be close to one hundred percent for camp, John. But the question is, given his injury history, do you trust him? And at what point does he become a bit of a value?
1: Sammy's tough because when he's on the field, he's really good. Uh, and just the question is, you know, well, is he going to be good enough to play in 20 last 21 games? He's averaged 4.2 catches, uh, for 70 yards, 0.52 touchdowns. Um, so he's not a huge PPR guy. That's 14.3. That's pretty good. Uh, but he's, you know, with the touchdowns there, he's in yarded, high yardage. He's more of a, a standard, uh, has more value in standard formats. Um, The question is, you got the 21 games over the last two years, so he does definitely is a risk uh, to miss. But uh, apparently people coming back from the second uh, Jones fracture surgery um, have fared well and have gotten good results. So it sounds like the Bills are cautiously optimistic that he's going to be able to make a full season. If you look at what they did in the offseason, they really didn't address the position a whole lot. They drafted Zay Jones. Uh, but there was an opportunity to to go after Eric Decker. There's an opportunity to go after Jeremy Macklin. They didn't do either. Uh, but apparently, they may um, sign uh, Anquan Bolden, who I think would be a good fit with the Bills given his skill set uh, compared to the other guys there on the roster. Obviously, it would be good for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but th- that doesn't look like that. You know, the, the Bolden signing doesn't look like they're worried about Watkins. I think they're trying to look at him as a compliment to Watkins. So they seem pretty confident that he's going to play and. Um, you know, he's slowly moving up uh my draft board because uh you know he's getting healthier and you know we're hearing positive report after positive report about his about his foot.
0: Speaking of positive reports, John Brown looks like his self again. Now Josh Weinfuss of, of ESPN.com noted that Brown has put on about twelve pounds since last year. He looks bigger, he looks stronger. Brown's coming off a career worst season and it was really mainly due to some injury concerns and an illness. In October, he was diagnosed being a carrier of the sickle cell trait, and he also had a cyst on his spine that was drained after the season. So a year after his first 1,000-yard season, Brown had a career-low 517 receiving yards. He had 39 catches, only two touchdowns. He fought through fatigue. He fought through injuries. Brown, though, if, if he can keep the weight on and he's he's past the cyst. And he's dealing with the sickle cell trait. You know, do you do you think that he could fly under the radar in drafts this year?
1: He's certainly you know moving up in my projections as well because we just keep getting uh, positive reports about what's going on with him this offseason. Michael Floyd is is gone, um, and I did see another beat writer uh, say that John Brown looks like John Brown again. Uh, so that's a good sign. You, you got to look at his whole situation. I mean, he's going with the pick, uh, he's going in the middle of the eighth round right now in the, uh, pick 89, 90 and MFL 10s, probably, you know, later in, uh, friends and family leagues around the country, but because MFL 10, um, ADP is, is sharper, I would say than, than the average bear when it comes to ADP. Uh, so you look at Jan Brown, he started with, you know, 102 targets as a rookie, 48 catches, 696 yards, five touchdowns. You know he he only caught forty seven percent of the his targets. Still, that's good. That's a good rookie season. The, he follows it up. He plays one fewer game. He gets one hundred and one targets, almost the same number of targets. He catches sixty five passes for a thousand and three yards and seven touchdowns. So now he's improved his catch rate up to sixty four percent. And you know last year at this time he was going in the fifth round, and he had a dreadful season. He's burned. You know he burned a lot of owners. And that's why his ADP is now sitting in the eighth, ninth round. But, I mean, you think about it, if if last year hadn't happened, you know, he'd be a fifth-round value right now. And it sounds like he's over all the issues that uh were plaguing him last year. So, you know, his ADP is going to be where it's at based on his the perception of owners and of what they think of him in terms of the risk and reward. Obviously, there's some risk given what happened last year. But if you look at it this way, you might be getting a fifth-round receiver for a, at the cost of an eighth, ninth-rounder, and uh, that's a pretty good deal. With uh, Floyd out of the way, Carson Palmer uh, didn't have the greatest season last year but played well down the stretch, so there's still some optimism about his ability to deliver the ball. And uh, Brown's looking like a pretty good value there uh, in, the, in those middle rounds. Uh, I, I'm definitely looking at him uh, in the eighth, ninth round there.
0: Chargers fans, as well as fantasy players, they're kind of anxiously awaiting to see what's going to go on with Mike Williams. He's the rookie Chargers wide receiver now. There's conflicting reports on Williams' health status. Adam Schefter says that Williams might need season-ending back surgery. Ian Rappaport of NFL.com predicted, though, that he'll be starting camp on the pup list. Williams himself told Justina Anderson of of ESPN.com that he feels good. What does this do to the Chargers receiving course? How does how does this impact that that wide receiver group in San Diego?
1: Well I think if Keenan ha- Allen's healthy, he's you know, the smart money's on him to to lead the team in targets. But so you're looking at it from two through five or whatever and how Mike Williams uh, affects that. And I'm I'm liking Tyrell Williams more and more, uh he stepped into the wide receiver one role last year in his second season, caught 69 passes, 1,059 yards, and seven touchdowns on um, 119 targets. And it wasn't fluky either. He, uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception uh, data shows him uh, doing his study that he does showed him doing very well as a route runner, winning um, on a lot of his routes. And, uh, when I boiled all of Harmon's, uh, data down to one number, he, uh, Williams finished eighth, uh, out of the 50, uh, receivers that, uh, we had, uh, access to. So, uh, you know, right behind, uh, Willie Sneed, Michael Thomas ahead of, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Stefan Diggs, uh, Pierre Garcon, these are good route runners. So Williams showed well in that, uh, part of the game and he's entering his third season, which is typically the breakout year. Uh, back at you know from fantasy back in the day uh, but now receivers are breaking out earlier as Williams did last week or last year and if he's healthy um and, and Keenan Allen's healthy I think you're looking at Allen being a higher scorer in PPR formats but with Williams if you draft him I just got him in the ninth round uh of the charity league um you're getting some upside there because if Keenan Allen, who has struggled to stay healthy, I think he's played eight or nine games in the last two seasons. If he goes out again, you're looking at Williams as the wide receiver one there with Phillip Rivers. Uh, and that's a pretty good situation. You have a little bit of downside in case they all of a sudden force Mike Williams into the, um into the lineup. But with Williams struggling all offseason with this back injury, he's so far behind that I can't imagine that he would, uh, really be a threat to uh, Tyrell Williams' playing time uh, at any point this season, uh, especially in the first half. So uh, I feel pretty confident that, that Williams is looking like a good middle-round pick as well.
0: I want to ask you more about your data Force Charity League, but first let's talk about Draft. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try these new best ball leagues on our new favorite app, which is called Draft. It's a season-long league. You, you play it just like you do with your friends, but with no management. Uh, just set it, forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of all the hard work for you. You don't even need to set your lineup. Your best score gets automatically selected every week. You can draft the team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you could join one right now. The best part, there are no salary caps, and you can play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's a league for everyone. It's so easy to start playing draft today. Just go to play, play playdraft.com backslash four for four. That's playdraft.com, the number four, F O R and the number four, and you can join a game in minutes. All new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, which is four for four. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using our promo code. It's the number four, F O R number four data force charity league john let's talk about this i was looking at your draft a little bit early uh early on a.j green was your first pick followed by michael thomas you had leonard fournette the rookie tom brady in the fourth round emmanuel sanders in the fifth you backed that up with pierre garçon in the sixth then you went with a, a pair of running backs in frank gore and terrence west and then tried tyrell williams who you just mentioned before you were you were high on him how do you like your draft playing out thus far
1: I, I like it. And I, it's, uh, it was a little strange to draft, uh, a quarterback that early in the fourth round. And there's still good, uh, passers on the board right now. Mar- Marcus Mariota is still available in the 10th round. And, um, if, if I would have known that, I may not have grabbed Brady with the fourth in the fourth. Uh, these best ball leagues are a little tricky because you can draft like two or three bad quarterbacks or so-so quarterbacks and end up with pretty good numbers. But I think Brady's going to have a great year. Um, I usually am going with Michael Crabtree there in the fourth round, but I thought I'd switch it up and try a quarterback to see what I, how I like my roster. And, um, I'm really happy with my receivers, AJ Green, Michael Thomas, Sanders, Garcon, uh, Tyrell Williams. Um, that's a really nice group of five. I think, uh, I think it's the best in the league, but I may be a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> and I thought about in the sixth round there, um, taking, uh a running back I thought about Amir Abdullah who went with the pick after. Uh Amir is Abdullah is a big uh did really well in the rushing expectation. I think we talked about this last week. Uh Joe Holko really thinks he's destined for good great things, provided he can stay healthy. Um so I think that was a good pick there by Sigmund Bloom. But, you know, I'm happy to get Frank Gore uh, you know, in the seventh round and then I that was the pick following that, which was, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, Terrence West. Um, I was wondering if he was, I, the Dixon news broke right after I picked Gore and I was wondering if West would, would go before I picked again. He didn't. And I was looking at him compared to LeGarrett Blount and James White and those guys. And I kind of felt like, uh, he was a pretty good pick there, provided they don't sign somebody, um, or trade for somebody. And then, uh, coming back in the ninth round, I was, thinking about getting a tight end there, but uh, Rudolph, Bennett, Ebron, Doyle and Ertz all went before my next pick. And so I was sitting there. uh, I actually talked about this with TJ Hernandez. I said, what do you think about uh, me drafting uh, Hunter Henry there in the ninth, who I'm not real high on, but when you combine his best weeks with, uh, if you take the max between him and Antonio Gates in a best ball situation, Last year, those two would have combined to have the second most points at the tight end position. And I was thinking about taking Henry there in the ninth, but uh, TJ kind of talked me out of it. I, I did want to take Tyrell there, but I thought maybe Henry would make it back to me. And of course he didn't. So Henry, Fleener, and Hooper all went off the board. So I'm, uh, I think might be the only one. There's one other owner that doesn't have a tight end. So, uh, he and I are going to be battling for the, <laughs> for the Scraps, the scraps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, uh, I was talking with, uh, and I wanted to mention, uh, bonus episodes that we've been doing, um, with Bob Harris and Pat Fitzmorris. We've been talking about some of these things about, you know, uh, sleeper tight ends, uh, when there's drop offs and drafts, uh, things of that nature. And, uh, some of the conversations we've had have uh, influenced some of my picks just thinking about, um, you know things that are going on and on the fantasy landscape, and and uh, where there are drop-offs in these drafts, and 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 people that are kind of coming up, like John Brown, Tyrell Williams, are coming up to fill these voids uh in the eighth, ninth round at the receiver position. Um And you know I was kind of surprised because I thought about Tyrell Williams in the seventh, which would have been a little bit early, but for, based on my rankings, that's whatever I would have taken him, and then I passed on him, and again the eighth. Um, so I was pretty happy to get him in the ninth, but was trying was looking for excuses not to take him, uh, trying that <laughs> San Diego Charger tight end thing. But I I think with twenty four rounds, I'll be able to you know put together a tight end core that in a best ball format will be able to to give me decent points at the position.
0: And and if you're wondering the top five picks in that draft that that John's in the Data for Data Force draft, Le'Veon Bell went one overall, David Johnson two, Antonio Brown three, Ezekiel Elliott four. Julio Jones was fifth. Uh, Shady McCoy, Odell Beckham. John took AJ Green. Then he had Melvin Gordon, Mike Evans, Devontae Freeman, and Demarco Murray. Wrapped up the, the the first. I know, John, you'd mentioned some of the picks from other guys, but just just for our listeners to get a sense of the the top ten in in a league that is um, experts, I think that's kind of a kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I would add that uh, Ty Montgomery went, uh, 312 to Jeff Brubach, uh, picking in the end like that. I mean, that seems a little bit early, uh, I'm sure to listeners, but he's, his stock is rising. Uh, he's apparently, uh, bulked up. He's at 222 pounds. He was, uh, with the footwork expert or the footwork king. I saw a news item. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Uh, today about that and some video of him uh, looking really good. And of course he, uh, was another uh, Joe Holka favorite in rushing expectation. He's, he said that he has monster upside. And So my concern with Montgomery is that he's just uh, not built to uh, withstand the punishment for 16 games. He had a tendency to get necked up, but if he's uh, preparing for that and it looks like he's all in, quote-unquote all in, for the running back position, uh, he's preparing for 16 games plus playoffs, uh, then uh, that's a great sign for him. He does have big upside because uh, – uh he ran very well uh considering the especially considering the fact that he was a wide receiver prior to uh last year. Um and so him going 312 is maybe you might describe that as a reach, but for Jeff Brubach, who knows he's not going to be there at 512, uh his next pick, um, or you know, 4-1. Obviously he was there at 4-1 because he picked at 312, but the next his next turn was 512, 601. He knows he's not going to get him there, so if he likes him more than Christian McCaffrey, Marshawn Lynch, Dalvin Cook, Spencer Ware, that crew, Mike Gillisley, then he should take him there, um, if, especially if he was looking to get a running back in that turn. So uh, I thought that was an interesting pick and not at all uh shocking, given what we know uh, about Montgomery's talent.
0: John, great stuff as always. You can follow John on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can give me a follow as well if you'd like at Anthony Stalter. And that's all we have for you today on the eighth edition of the most accurate podcast. We'll be back next week and uh, hope you tune in. Thanks for listening.